Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. And uh, occasionally we uh, dive into each other's throats because, my God, you guys you guys came to play last week. <laughs> I have to say, that was awesome. The uh, our, our matchup, uh, 2006 versus 1994, absolutely lived up to the bill. And uh, there were you guys had a lot of thoughts. Uh, 2006 ended up winning in the most uh, highly contentious matchup we've had so far. Uh, drew the most interest by a, quite a considerable margin. And uh, I suspect um, 2006 winning is wound up generating a bit of a backlash. Uh, people who like 94 really like 94, Tim, don't they? They really do, and I'm really disappointed in that result. That's, uh, I mean, what a, what a matchup. And we had such a fun time talking about it, not just on the podcast, but on Twitter. And, uh, man, you can tell that uh, that some of the youngins were really getting in on that poll because the, the disrespect for 1994 and the bit of a recency bias if you would really came through in that one maybe so you know i think we should probably say like you know tim and i when we pick a side we don't always necessarily actually believe the things we're saying or kind of just more fun to have one of us pick a team i i legitimately don't know which of the teams i would think would win i was fine with arguing for 2006 but by the time by the time the week was over i think a lot of you guys had me convinced i was like man like 94 like <laughs> yeah good great team uh Wish, wish we could have enjoyed their presence a bit longer, but a lot of, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, 2006 was an awesome team too, and uh, that's a luxury of you know hanging out. You know, a luxury of talking about two, you know UConn is that you just got a lot of really good teams, and inevitably, if we're going to do an exercise like this, good ones are going to go out early. So, yeah. So um, anyway, this week we're going to determine who they will face in the next round, and I suspect this matchup won't be quite as contentious. <laughs> Tim, do you want you want to tell them what we're talking about today? Today we are talking about, let me just make sure I get the seeds right, um, the three seed, and deservedly a three, the 2009 team, which made it to the final four against the number 14 seed, 2003, which made it to the Sweet 16 of uh, the NCAA tournament. So yeah, really uh, really uh, different, different teams here, so this will be interesting. So we need to give Tim a W here. So Tim will be arguing in favor of 2009, so pray for me, guys. I, uh, yeah, 2003, look, I, it, it's funny. It's like we're, we're talking about the 2003 team as if they have no chance, and yet we're talking about a team that won the Big East regular season championship and features Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor. Like, they literally won the national championship the next year, and we're like, you know, I think most people would consider one of like the the favorites to win this whole thing. Like, you know, so we're not like it's not like we're talking about a bunch of scrubs here, but yeah, it's gonna yeah. So, needless to say, I 2009 is just a is an absolutely beloved team. They were my first UConn basketball team, so you're welcome. I'm giving you one of my favorites. So please, <laughs> please don't, it. please don't squander this. You you take you got to take care of my baby, dude. It's. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. So um. Anyway, uh, why don't we get the, why don't we just get right to it? So uh, the winner of this matchup will obviously play 2006, and what I suspect could be uh, one of the bangers of the tournament. You know, whoever at, at this point really anybody 2006 plays here from here on out is probably going to just be it's going to be uh, off the chain, I guess. So <laughs> so <laughs> so tell us why it should be 2009. Uh, I mean, a team a lot of people uh, who listen are familiar with, obviously, but. You know, certainly one of the best teams in UConn history. So, give us a scoop. What's uh, what for those who don't know, uh, what was 2009's deal? 
Yeah, well, if you're listening and you don't know about the 2009 team, I'll always say, and we talked a little bit about 2006 last se- last week being one of those teams that should have won a national title for UConn. This is the other where I say that UConn should really have six national titles by this point because 2009 just, you know, you look back and it just, it, it hurts. What It's a, what could have been, this was an unbelievable basketball team. Um, they finished the season 31-5. and five. They, I mean, they rolled through everybody. Just to go through the roster real quick, you've got, you've got six top 100 recruits on this team. You have five guys who went to the NBA. So your, your big guys, the you got some seniors on this team. AJ Price, who was the leading scorer, he was the leading assist man. Also, you've got Jeff Adrian, who was just to me one of my favorite players to watch in the history, uh, my whole history of watching UConn. 6'7", 243. I always called him a piece of military equipment. That's how he was built um, this this season. His his senior year, he really he did so well. 13.6 points, 9.9 rebounds. Um, of course, uh, the other senior on this team that really stands out is Craig Ostry, whose role really elevated late in the season, um, thanks in part to the injury to Jerome Dyson, which I still think is the sole reason UConn did not win the national championship that year. Dyson was fantastic until he got hurt. 13.2 points, 3.2 assists, 4.1 rebounds. He was such an awesome player for this team. Um, Hashim to beat the other junior on this team. You know, you all know Hashim to beat one of the best shot blockers we've ever had. Such an outstanding big man. 13.6 points, 10.8 rebounds. And I remain convinced he would have put Tyler Hansborough in his place in a national championship game matchup. Um, Kemba Walker was a freshman on this team. You know, one of the all-time great Huskies. He had a fairly limited role most of the season. He ended up, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't exactly a standout player his freshman year. He did play 36 games. He started two, um, played a lot, played 25 minutes a game, but, you know, 8.9 points, uh, 2.9 assists a game. You know, obviously his, his game went up a level the next year and then very much so the year after. Um, you know, freshman Kemba was still a reliable player. Uh, Stanley Robinson also on this team, an outstanding player in his in his UConn career, a guy that we miss dearly. Um, just again, just an outstanding team. They didn't they didn't go particularly deep, which is why the Jerome Dyson injury was so costly. Because if you look at if you look at their schedule, the, if you look at the results from uh, start to finish that season, I mean, this team dominated until Dyson got hurt, and even a little bit after. So they opened the season on a tear. I mean. A couple of blowouts to start the season, of course, against Western Carolina and Hartford. Then they go to the Paradise Jam in the Virgin Islands. Um, they beat LaSalle. Pretty close game for by this UConn team standards. It was a 89-81 win against LaSalle. But then they beat Miami, who was ranked 17th at the time by 13. And then in the championship game against number 25 Wisconsin, they win by 19. Um, they come back, play couple non-conference games just you know blow blow teams out of the water narrow escape against buffalo but other than that pretty standard then they go to washington in the battle of seattle for one of the great great yukon matchups against gonzaga number eight in the country aj price hits a three-pointer sends it to overtime yukon wins by five and ot just another another iconic game against gonzaga one of a few in that uh 
in about a 10-year span that was just incredible. That game ruled. Um, I think that was like one that of That was amazing. That was one of my first like Yukon games as a student and definitely the first one that like, you know, I really got into as a fan and AJ Price had a buzzer beater if I recall and I just remember like yeah. losing it like, "Oh, here we go. I'm I'm in. This is it." <laughs> whenever go. I watch uh, whenever I watch TCF's Onions video, uh, when it gets to the AJ Price shot, I just freak out because it is so awesome. And obviously, UConn goes on to win that game in OT. That that makes them ten and zero. They then come back home day after Christmas. They beat Fairfield by twenty, and then they open the Big East season. They open the season eleven and zero, and then they go into Big East play. And Matt, guess what they did in their first Big East game of the season? You know what? You're gonna. I'm gonna be shocked when you tell me they won, right? No, no. <laughs> no they lost. I know they lost. I was I testing you. That wasn't a trick question. <laughs> I was at that game, and I was like, "What the heck?" Like. You know, it's like how like my first Yukon like you know whatever. It might not have been my very first Yukon game, but like yeah, I just remember going in there and they lost. I was like, am I cursed? Like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, an eleven point loss to the eleventh ranked team in the country, Georgetown, uh, which drops them to eleven and one. But then they go on an incredible tear, a thirteen game winning streak, uh, with wins at West Virginia, who was twenty five at the time. Um, they beat Villanova at home, who was number 20. They beat number 19, Notre Dame, on the road. Uh, they beat Louisville, who was number 5, on the road. They beat they beat number 5, Louisville, by 17 points at Freedom Hall. Just, that game was, I, like, just an absolute statement if there ever was one. I mean, yeah. like, that Louisville team won the Big East regular season championship in one of the hardest years ever to do it. Like that, that team was amazing, and they just just put them in the trash. It was it was unbelievable. Like a if I recall, like a great Big Monday game too, right? We did, yeah, yeah. It was a it was just, that, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a team that uh, a team that had a couple of guys that would come back to be familiar faces for uh, for UConn fans when you get to 2011. Um, you know, I see Preston Knowles on the bench there. It was still a solid team that was uh, that especially that. Again, like you said, that was a statement win for UConn. And then they go and they get another win against Michigan right after that. And then everything um, everything changes on February 11th when UConn does improve to 23-1 and uh, with a win over Syracuse. But very early in the game, Jerome Dyson goes down. Um, very bad knee injury. Ends his season. Uh, means elevated roles for Craig Austry, for Kemba Walker. And, you know, they... They do pretty well to end the regular season. The problem is they had to play Pittsburgh twice. They hadn't yet played Pittsburgh that season. And, again, Pittsburgh in the 2000s was an outstanding, outstanding team. And when Pitt was number four, they came up to stores. They beat UConn by eight. And then a couple weeks later, after UConn picks up an 11-point win at Marquette, who was number eight at the time, uh, UConn's number one when they go to Pittsburgh. And... That's the regular season finale, and Pitt ends up beating them by 10. Um, so that sends UConn into the Big East tournament on a on a pretty sour note. And again, this is a team that was rolling much thinner. You're looking at pretty much a seven-man seven, eight, seven man rotation, sometimes sometimes stretched to eight, but you go into the Big East tournament. Before, and, Tim, before you do that, can I just interject? Yeah. That, that 2009 Pittsburgh team, I think, may have been the best Big East like team I can remember from like that era. That team was unbelievable. I, I can't yeah. believe they didn't make the Final Four. Like, you know, Dewan Blair, that whole crew, they, they were legitimately terrifying. Just, 
Yeah, I, it was... I just I'm seeing I'm looking at this roster and I'm just thinking of all the names that terrify me. Just to give you an idea of how good this pit team was, and obviously these guys were younger. There, these are the guys who came off the bench in the first game against Pitt that season. Um, you had Gilbert Brown, pretty Brad good. Wanamaker, also pretty good. <laughs> um, Ashton Gibbs, Nasir Robinson, and uh, playing one minute, a uh, familiar name, Gary McGee. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, Dewan Blair, uh, Sam Young was outstanding that year. Levance Fields, Jermaine Dixon, Tyrell Biggs. I mean, that was. I agree. I think that was Pitt's best team. Um, but that sends them into Big East tournament time. And a game that we'll never forget as much as, you know, honestly, I this was an amazing game. It was an absolutely incredible game. And it just sucks that UConn was on the wrong end of it. 127 to 117, a loss to number 18 Syracuse in six overtimes. One of the great Big East tournament games. One of the great college basketball games in general, ever. And, you know, again, I, I really think in this situation, you know, depth got the best of UConn without Jerome Dyson out there. It's It was very difficult. They were playing pretty thin. And Syracuse just had a little bit more as you got into the sixth overtime, and it showed there were a lot of guys who fouled out uh, on both sides. And... It just it just fell that way for UConn. It's but, legitimately insane that UConn lost that game. I remember we did the, yeah. an episode on it very early in the show's run, and like when I was rewatching it, I was like, "Oh my god, UConn was like winning in every overtime except for the sixth one." Like what? How? Yeah. Like how on? How did they not win? It was and like, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, I, I remember watching that at my dad's house, and like, it was a nine o'clock start. So it was already yeah. kind of late to begin with. And once we got to like the fifth or sixth overtime, it was like one thirty in the morning. And I just remember just after it was finally over, it's like, thank God I get to go to bed now. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not just, even I'm mad. Looking, <laughs> just yeah, just I'm exhausted. Looking at the box score from that game. You got, look, well, UConn had, they, UConn put nine players out on the floor, which uh, Scotty Harrelson had to play six minutes in this game. And when Scotty Harrelson has to come into the rotation in 2009, that makes things difficult. And, um, like, clearly that they were stretched. So, A.J. Price fouled out, Hashim Tabit fouled out, Stanley Robinson fouled out, and Gavin Edwards fouled out. At that point, there's only so much you can do. When your top scorer and playmaker and your three bigs are gone, I mean, what do you expect? I mean, (laughs) Syracuse was down to Johnny Flynn, but when everybody else, like, on UConn's lineup is out, I mean, at that point, it's just like, it was literally a war of attrition at that point. Yeah, look, all, all I'm going to say is I'm so happy the game didn't end on an Eric Dievendorf buzzer beater. Oh, my God. Like, that was <laughs> that was a horrifying moment, and I'm very glad that it didn't have to be that way because I could never have gotten over a Dievendorf buzzer beater to win in the Garden. I, I think all of us were Kevin Duffy in that moment. Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> Fam- you, our, our, our Daily Campus colleague famously uh, caught on camera reacting exactly the way all of us were at home. Like, you've yeah. got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, this team, like, they, this was an incredible team. And, like I said, they, you know, they, they were going, they were number one going into the last week of the season. They went into the Big East tournament number three. They never got below five the entire season. Um, they were a top five team the entire year, and unsurprisingly, they go into the tournament still one of the teams to beat. And 
to the point where I remember, so this team gets to the Final Four by beating Chattanooga, Texas A&M, Purdue, and Missouri, who was a top 10 team. I remember I didn't get to watch the Missouri game because I was playing an indoor soccer game, and our coach told us as we were on the bench that UConn won to go to the Final Four, and we all just kind of looked at each other and shrugged. Like, yeah, this, this was a team that was down one of its star players, but they were still good enough to cruise to the Final Four almost. Um, the Missouri game was the closest of all the games in the in the first four rounds. They only they won by seven. I say only won by seven. They won by seven against Missouri. We got a top ten team. They had beaten Purdue by twelve, and they blew out A and M in Chattanooga. So just a dominant run. And then you get to the final four, and look again. The the Dyson injury catches up with them big time. They play against a Michigan State team that was outstanding in their own right. These were. I, I think UConn, Michigan State, and North Carolina were the three best teams that year. Kalen Lucas and Raymar Morgan have big games. Um, like this is a team that was so good. Draymond Green was on the bench. Draymond Green was very limited that year. Um, obviously, he goes on to have an outstanding career of his own. Um, UConn, you know, it wasn't a horrible game, but, you know, they're only going eight deep. And, uh, you know, you get a, you go up against Michigan State in the Final Four like that, and they're... They're rotating it. They played 11 guys that day, and I really just think depth was really what caught up with UConn. Yeah, and, and also one other thing I just like feel like has been lost in the tra- the shuffle. Like th- it was a home game. Michigan State was playing in yeah. Ford Field. Like that was a that was a, a tough environment for UConn to go into and win. And now looking yeah. back at that, I mean, God, imagine being a Michigan State fan the next game when they got just housed by by UNC in the yeah. final. <laughs> that would have been a bad oh. time. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating because I really think that UConn would have had the matchup on UNC even without Dyson. I really just think that to beat could have done could have done the job against Hansborough and given UConn a chance to win that game. But you know, doesn't get the chance. It certainly, the, yeah, it certainly would have been a more competitive game. I think than yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously UNC was incredible that year and a deserved national champion. They were. They were the number one team in Ken Palm, and it showed. Um, UConn finished the season number two in Ken Palm, despite losing in the Final Four. Uh, the only time UConn's gone to the Final Four and not won the national title. Um, incredible. But they were, again, number two in Ken Palm. They were the third most efficient defense. They were 17th offensively. Um, they were um, surprised. <laughs> well, you know, block percentage is... Uh, is so interesting. It's it is what it is. UConn wasn't number one in shot blocking that year, according to Ken Palm. They were number three. Um, a stat that I really like about this team: they were number one in uh, on the defensive end when it came to free throw attempts. Oh, um, free throw attempt average against field goal attempts: um, nineteen point five free throw attempts for every field goal attempt, and I just think that's incredible. Um, so well, just to I'm, just to kind of in layman's yeah. terms, that means that they did not allow very many free throws, right? Yeah, yeah, they didn't foul very often. They didn't let teams get to the line, and uh, they won a lot of games by a lot of points. Yeah, well, so. you know, actually, I, I think the eye test really backs you up on that one for sure because I remember at the time, like, I was amazed by how good the beat was at blocking people without fouling. He, he, yeah. I mean, he did it all the time. And I guess, you know, in his case, like, his, you know, his freshman and sophomore years, the beat was a little bit, uh, well, you know, he was raw. He had a lot of developing to do. And by his junior yeah. year, I think he realized, hey, I'm tall enough that I don't have to jump to block shots. So <laughs> he literally <laughs> he just not. he literally just would hold his arms up and not jump. 
And then when the people would do their shot fakes, they do their whatever they thought they had to do to shoot on him, they couldn't get him in the air. And so every time they took the shot, no matter what fancy move they did, he would just send it flying. He would just, just swat it everywhere, you know, rarely uh, fouled. Um, and in the six I, overtime game, it was especially important because he got in foul trouble and like regulation and he stuck yeah. around until I think I think he lasted until like the fourth overtime maybe even the fifth I, I forget it's been a while since I looked at that yeah, uh, play sheet but <laughs> it, it was a uh, like a considerable amount of time like probably at yeah. least 15 or maybe even 20 minutes of game time at that point between his fourth and the fifth foul so just yeah and I, I wish his NBA career went so much differently it really could have he was that good um I don't know what but, happened it's crazy like yeah. he, he had all the tools I mean I, you know what honestly it, even if he'd been like a more productive NBA player he came in at a really bad time because he was only a couple of years away from like precisely the moment where huge big centers like him would have just been eaten alive like it happened to yeah. Roy Hibbert too like as soon as you get to a point where the bigs all have to start shooting threes the beat would have been toast so even yeah. even the best case scenario of his career he wouldn't have lasted more than five or six years but still you know it, yeah. he, he deserves better than to be the guy like the 2009 draft I mean think about the guys who went after him you know Harden Curry yeah, you know he. It's a. Uh, it's kind of a tough one for Memphis to swallow there, but that's yeah. not his fault. I mean, Thibi was a, it was an amazing college player and deserves to be yeah. remembered that way. Hashim to beat four point two blocks per game, ten point eight rebounds. Um, I was talking block percentage earlier. This team averaged seven point eight blocks per game. That was number one in the country. I was gonna say um, I, I thought they were the nation's yeah. leading blocker because yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean between the beat and like Adrian, I mean. Like yeah. <laughs> and, and Sam Lee Robinson too to some extent like yeah. was, Adrian one point two Robinson one point three um, this I mean that team was so so good at obviously shot blocking that that was UConn's bread and butter um, forty three point three rebounds per game was the most in the country they were also first in defensive rebounds didn't give up a lot of second chances um, they averaged the fourth most free throw attempts that season which again that's always going to be a huge help um they were the i mean just they didn't i mean just like looking at these numbers is ridiculous they were so good 18th in scoring 84th in opponent points per game so they the average score was 78.3 to 64.3 i mean this team was really something yeah you know what i'm just thinking like I think we all agree that 2009 is, you know, one of the very, very best UConn teams in terms of talent. And obviously they made the final four. So they like kind of have the distinction of being like the UConn team that didn't win the national championship. That was like not disappointing, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you make absolutely. the final like, you know, we, we kind of, you know, you know, 2006, you know, some of the other 90s teams that didn't make the final four. They have like a little bit of like that tinge of, yeah, but what could have been? But, you know, you make the final four. I mean, once you do that, it's like there's only you can't be that disappointed. Like, you know, you and I are here talking about like, oh, if Jerome Dyson stays healthy, they win the national title. And, you know, maybe. But they also would have had to play UNC. And, you know, Michigan State was really good. So it's yeah, exactly. it's, it's they, 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 they they reached a level. I think we all can accept and be like, yeah, that's that, that was a damn good season. Yeah, and they and they again they did it without Jerome Dyson, which I think just is even more of a testament to how good this team was overall. Yeah, they were amazing, dude. Yeah. I'm just I just I'm just thinking like if and probably when 2009 wins next time out, they're gonna be playing 2006, and you and I are gonna have to be talking about that matchup. <laughs> I think like a singularity would just open up on the basketball court, and we would all just be sucked into oblivion. Could could you imagine yeah. that matchup? Holy crap! <laughs> 
Well, I guess, oh, I, guess it's, I guess it's my job to try to prevent that from happening. So, uh, want to hear about the yeah. 2003 team? I, tell me about 03. Man. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, for starters, uh, so 2003, I think, you know, it needs to be emphasized. Uh, this team won the biggest regular season championship. So, this was this team was no joke. Um, you know, they finished 23-10 and 10 overall. They were ranked uh, at one point as high as... Uh, they were shoot. I, I had it pulled up a second ago. They they were they were ranked most of the season. Eventually, they got ranked as high as number three in the country right after New Year's, and they were in the top five and like the top ten range for a good chunk of the year before things kind of fell apart a little bit in the start of February. And um, you know, it, it was just kind of a, a little bit of a weird year in the Big East. So um, this team obviously is like the kind of the proto 2004 championship team. So your top guys are Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor, who are awesome. Um, apologize if you can hear my dog barking her head off in the background. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, Ben Gordon was really took over as a force this season. Uh, he averaged 19.5 points, uh, also had 4.2 rebounds, 4.7 assists. Uh, just he really took over as a top, top scorer here, uh, you know, without, um, you know, uh, Karan Butler obviously is at the NBA at this point. Um, Mecca Okafor, he was a, he was awesome as a freshman. Now he's like really awesome this year. Fifteen point nine points per game, eleven point two rebounds. I think my dog is seriously just trying to get me to just stop. She's I, I, Tim. Can you hear her? Like she's like going yeah, crazy right now. <laughs> she's all in on two thousand nine. Allie, chill. I, there's no way I can edit that out. So you just gotta bear with me, guys. <laughs> This never happened before, and the full podcast like usually she starts barking like crazy right before or after I start going. I'll have to get her on the show sometime. She's a good girl. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, back to the 2003 team. Ameka Okafor. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Obviously, 15.9 points, uh, 11.2 rebounds. Just uh, you know, really take you know comes into his own as a dominant player this year. And um, you know, from there it's interesting. Like the rest of this roster is very balanced. Uh, a lot of guys contributed in small ways, and. Um, more a much more talented team than people remember. So you, how many how many guys were top one hundred recruits uh, for the two thousand nine team? Do you say I think it was six, seven? Yes, six. Uh, so two thousand three, we've eight, eight guys ranked in the top uh, hundred of their respective classes. And ironically, Okafor was actually ranked the lowest of all of them. He was only ranked number ninety nine coming out of high school. And um, Talik Brown, I actually was the top ranked guy. He was number ten in his class. Uh, but, you know, obviously, uh, like I said, Talik, Talik, uh, Talik Brown's great on this team. He's a junior, 7.7 uh, points, 3 rebounds, 4.8 assists. So he's a guy who's doing it all, kind of. You know, Tony Robertson's a senior, a big guard from East Providence, Rhode Island, 9.8 points, 3.2 rebounds. Rashad Anderson's a freshman. We all know he's, uh, you know, just one of the one of the most fun players in UConn history. Lights out shooter. Uh, he 8.2 points, uh, and you know, a Denim Brown is a freshman. You know, he and he made an immediate impact too at 7.7 points and 3.4 rebounds as well. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, I can keep going. Like a lot of guys contributed. Marcus White too was uh, 4.1 points and 5.6 rebounds. He was a a six eight forward out of Chicago and. Yeah, just, you know, a pretty deep team. It was like, I guess we'll describe it as one of those teams that wasn't quite there. But, you know, if you were watching this team, you could probably tell that this team isn't far away from being great. And obviously, 2004 was, uh, they really, they really took it to the next level. 
Um, yeah, as far as the kind of the story of their season goes, uh, so you start off ranked uh, 15th in the preseason and kind of steadily improved from there. Uh, in the um, kind of the non-conference schedule, the team generally did very well. You uh, start the season 9-0 and uh, with mostly pretty dominant wins over local kind of uh, NEC programs like your Sacred Hearts, your Wagners. Uh, St. Bonaventure, you got a few, uh, you got a couple of uh, notable uh, wins. You got UMass, uh, they beat them 59-48. Uh, they absolutely smoked uh, Sacred Heart, or six, 116-78. And uh, you also have a road win over Vanderbilt, 76-70 uh, there. Um, once you get uh, a little further down, we, we see uh, UConn start to play some better competition, and it kind of catches up with them. Our first loss is to number nine ranked Oklahoma. They go on the road. They lose that one by 10. Uh, their next game is a close overtime win against Miami, 83 to 80. And then you have a, not long after that, you play North Carolina, lose that one by three at the Dean Smith Center. And then you lose again to uh, Miami in the very next time out. So you can kind of tell like, okay, this team, you know, they're, they're obviously really good. They're really competitive, but you know, not like 2009 where you're just kind of smoking everybody you play. And then, you know, a couple of losses to BC and Virginia Tech, uh, you know, a little down the road, you play out Villanova, you lose that one by nine. And, um, but, you know, they also have their moments, you know, they beat Notre Dame on the road. Their ranked Notre Dame was ranked number nine at the time. They beat them by uh, 87, 79 and, uh, f- finished the regular season with just an absolute, just a totally, total dismantling of BC. They go to the Conti forum and beat him 91 <laughs> to 54. And that really was, ne- that was big because they, they had lost uh, two straight going into that game. They lose at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, what else is new losing at Pittsburgh in the two thousands. And, uh, they lost at home to Providence, which was not what you want. Um, Good, good stuff in the conference tournament. Uh, they start off with a 13-point win against Seton Hall. They uh, they take on Syracuse, uh, ranked number 11th in the country, and they beat them by 13. And then uh, they played Pittsburgh again, uh, number five in the country. And, uh, you know, this was the third, I think the second of three straight meetings with Pitt in the uh, Big East Tournament Championship. Yeah. And uh, they, they beat him in 2002 on that awesome uh, Talik Brown uh, shot. You know, they got him in 2004, but this time Pitt gets the better of them, 74 to 56. So, you know, that, I guess, sets up the rubber match in 2004. But either way, um, they, they draw the number five seed in the uh, NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, they start off okay. They uh, they, they beat BYU um, by five points. They they draw Stanford in the next game, uh, number 18th ranked Stanford. Beat them 85-74. But then they run into number one seeded Texas, and that was all they wrote. Um, they lose to, talk about road games. They, they play them in the Alamo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> so straight up road game there. Then they lose that. It was competitive, but ultimately they lose 82 to 78. So th- I remember that game. This team was, you know, probably making the Sweet 16 is probably, I'd say, probably a pretty good outcome for this team. They they realistically weren't quite a championship contender yet, but man, like the seeds were planted, and there were moments this year where you could tell, like, oh yeah, this team is, uh, this team's gonna be something. So um. Yeah, so that's kind of the story of 2003. Uh, I mean, really, if we're being honest, it was kind of like a kind of a cool, the best version of a bridge year between the 2002 team, which was awesome, and the the 2004 team, which was historic. So good, yeah. you know. Looking at looking at the bracket, they really, you know, obviously, you know, that Texas game was tough, a four point loss, and that was a that was a really really good Texas team. Obviously, they went to the Final Four. That was uh, the TJ Ford year. Um, at Texas, like I remember watching that game at my grandparents' house and just kind of like shrugging it off at the end. You know, it is what it is. But 
they would have had Michigan State in the in the next game. Michigan State getting to the Elite Eight as a seven seed, and you know this team may have really had a chance and could have gone to the Final Four. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, also, it would have been fun if they had made the Final Four because it's funny to imagine this team possibly ruining Syracuse's only national yeah. championship. <laughs> It's a, um, it's a missed opportunity, but hey, yeah. the UConn and Syracuse were only tied in national championships for one year, so that's true. That one of the one of the 2004 teams' more important accomplishments, just if we're being honest, <laughs> I don't think we appreciate how basically the Syracuse fans were just like, yeah, we have a national championship just like you, and then Emeka Okafor and Ben Gordon were just like, Haha. all right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, this was like it wasn't a bad team, but I'm still I'm looking back at the. Uh, I've been looking at the schedule as you've been reading through it, and my I'm, honestly, my eyes haven't moved from that back-to-back losses to BC and Virginia Tech, and those scores are just flooring me. Yeah, like, it's not what you want, is it? It's, no, it's really 95-71 not. 95-71 against BC, and then 95-74 against Virginia Tech. I mean, after beating Virginia Tech by 18, no less. Yeah, I feel like with BC, we do have to kind of remember. BC in the mid 2000s was not the team that we remember them as now. They were good back then. They they were a regular NCAA tournament team, usually very competitive. Not not the same thing as losing by, you know, what what look what is it like 20 24 points. Oh my god, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that's oh well, that's tough either. They they beat them by they beat them 90 91 to 54 the next time they played. Yeah. What, it was sweet, sweet revenge that kind of evened out. Yikes! Yeah, wow. It's yeah, it's weird, weird season. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's 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 do some uh, some fantasizing here. What would happen if these two teams play? And before you just say oh nine would stick two thousand three in a dumpster, we have to remember we got the beat versus Emeka Okafor. We yeah. can't poo-poo that matchup. What do you think about that? You know, we—it's a possibility we may get to talk about this again with the the peak version of Okafor. But peak peak Hashim Thabit versus almost peak Okafor, fascinating matchup. What do you, what do you think of that one? I I love it, um, and I think I remain convinced that Thabit would have had his way with uh, with Tyler Hansbrough, and I think that he would have. You know, I think he would win this matchup too. It's not a knock against Okafor. I think Okafor is one of the best UConn players of all time, and he's certainly one of my favorites. But for as big and imposing as Emeka Okafor was, you know, 6'10", 252, you're talking about Hashim to beat at 7'3", 263, a guy we were just talking about doesn't really have to jump, was really disciplined when it came to, came to defending. And, man, that... Again, as good as Okafor was, to beat was just dominant. And I think, especially against sophomore year in Mecca, I'm not saying that sophomore year in Mecca was bad, but junior year to beat was incredible. And so I, I just really think it's advantage to beat on that one. I think, you know, I think in this one, Okafor as a sophomore was definitely, a re- he was definitely up for the challenge. And one of his biggest strengths was that he was a really, really smart guy. And he, he knew how to basically strategize in the event he was faced with a problematic matchup. The beat would have been as problematic a matchup as he probably ever would have faced, <laughs> certainly up to that point. So, you know, I certainly think this matchup, you know, junior Okafor versus junior the beat would probably, I, I'm uh, that's, that's a conversation that I anticipate we'll probably have at some point in the next couple of weeks, probably. But 
Yeah. Either way, I, I think I think sophomore Okafor is probably one of the 2003 team's best chances because uh, I I suspect that 2003 would have defensive problems matching up in other areas, but I'm supposed to be arguing in favor for why they would win. So Ben Gordon, explain to me what 2009 would need to do to keep him from taking over this game. Uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that Ben Gordon is a guy who could beat you in a lot of ways. I think one of those ways would be taken away from him with the presence of Hashim to beat. Um, also, Jeff Adrian down there and Stanley Robinson. I think he wouldn't. I would think he would have a hard time getting to the rim. Um, so I think he'd need to beat you from the outside. And you know, with with AJ Price and Jerome Dyson and. Kemba Walker and Craig Austria, I thought they were all, you know, really solid defensive players. Um, and I just think, you know, Walker was really, really good defensively that year. Jerome Dyson as well. Um, Dyson was averaging 1.8 steals per game before he went down. So um, I think that that's another one where I think they'd be able to lock him down. But if anyone's going to have a big game for 3 it's going to be Gordon. Yeah, absolutely. I also am intrigued by the prospect of Talik Brown versus AJ Price. That could be an interesting one too. What do you What do you think of that potential matchup? Um, that's gonna that's like and uh, you know me being a soccer guy, that's like two number tens, two playmakers going at each other and just uh, trying to one up each other all the time. I think that's a great one. I think AJ Price definitely the better scorer when you look at these two, especially uh, within the years that we're talking about. Um, and you know, I think that gives him. I think that gives him the edge as being being the leading scorer on this team, but also being the the best distributor of the ball with uh, being the leading assist guy. Um, he can that gives him so many different ways that he can beat Brown and beat this O three team overall. Um, and when you're trying to lock down UConn or O nine's leading scorer, that's going to open up guys like Dyson and. You know Walker when he's on the floor, or getting the ball to Adrian or to beat, and he's gonna really just you know it's gonna be really hard to shut him down. Um, I think that you know I think Talik is a really solid defensive player. I think he's a great distributor on offense, but you know head to head against a guy who led in both those categories for 09, I think that's really tough. Yeah, I, I'm interested this how how. Uh the depth plays into this particular matchup because oh yeah. nine we I mean you would you would certainly admit their biggest weaknesses comparatively they have a lack of depth I mean their top yeah. guys are awesome but you know you you take one guy out and it, it you notice the difference whereas two thousand three yeah. they they are very very deep so they they have the ability to basically just keep rotating bodies and potentially I don't know just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I guess like so we we can talk about individual matchups and it's actually intriguing to see how some of them might play out because you have some interesting ones like Rashad Anderson versus Kemba Walker, both of them as freshmen. I mean, that would be a, they're very different players obviously, but just yeah. kind of the 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 impact that each of them would have on their own teams and their own particular the flow of this game. You know, Denim Brown is a freshman. He was a you know, pretty productive guy too. You know, I and obviously, I, I would imagine he'd probably wind up matched up against Stanley Robinson a lot. I don't necessarily think Denim wins that one, but it would yeah. be fun. <laughs> it certainly oh, be a oh lot. Oh my of, gosh, it would be, be amazing. It would be it hilarious. Would be a lot of fun. I guess Tony Robertson uh, versus um versus Dyson. I guess would probably be the likely matchup there. I have to yeah. con- I have to confess I don't think that's close at all. But e- either way, <laughs> like they 
you know, U- UConn at least has guys who are capable of keeping up. So I, I, it, is it, I guess, I guess what I'm just trying to su- suggest is that I don't think this game is a blowout. I think 2003 is capable of keeping it close. And I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, if you keep it close, you never know. I mean, Okafor, if he actually were able to figure out a way to keep the beat from just totally dominating the game, and if Gordon scored, I don't know, like 30 points or something crazy like that, it, it, it it's possible. It's conceivable that 2003 could steal this game. Yeah. The problem, the problem is those are two huge ifs. We're talking about 09 was third in the nation in defensive field goal percentage. You... You struggled to score when you played against played against this team. They you, teams were only shooting thirty seven point seven percent against them. That is a big, big problem. And obviously, UConn being the best shot blocking team in the country, the best rebounding team, um, not necessarily getting a lot of steals, but these were these were guys who could really lock you down defensively. Um, I agree with. I think you know if if Gordon has a big game, if Okafor is able to get uh limit to beat a little bit but again huge ifs the i also agree i think that depth obviously advantage go three this is like that's the huge worry and the thing i kept going back to when we were running through the season is depth on the 09 team you know after you know after your six so you've got price adrian to beat dyson walker robinson and austri um the only other guy who played that played every game um or mostly every game uh Gavin Edwards and Gavin Edwards, you know, did okay, but you know, only he only played twelve minutes a game, four points, you know, three rebounds. So he was he was serviceable as the guy that you needed to play because you needed to go eight deep. Um, after him, it was Donnell Beverly playing twenty games and you know, really uh, really quiet. Uh, as much as we love Donnell Beverly. Um, and then, you know, Scotty Harrelson and Charles Aquandu from time to time were getting into games. So this is a team that was realistically playing eight guys, and for the most part, seven were playing significant minutes. That's very tough. They made it work. This was a team that, again, they were very disciplined. They were, um, they didn't foul out a bunch. They, um, you know, especially with guys like to be just staying on the floor as much as they did, this, that was huge. So, um as much as the depth concerns me, um, thankfully we're talking about this with a healthy Jerome Dyson. Um, I don't think that the depth is as much a concern as it would be if this team wasn't so damn good. Yeah, man. I guess we should probably just quietly move past the discussion of who deals with Jeff Adrian, right? Like I'm trying to imagine what happens if Marcus <laughs> White or Hilton Armstrong or Shaman Tools try or you know any you know pick your guy uh, tries to <laughs> match up against him. I, I don't yeah. think that I don't think that ends very well for the O3 yeah. team. But we talked um, last week. We were talking about O6, and we were talking about um, I believe I mentioned this with the O6 team. I really think that you know Ed Nelson was the guy who tried to go have an NFL career. I think, you know, Jeff Adrian got to the NBA and that that's awesome. I think he could have, I, I always, when I was, when I was younger and Jeff Adrian was doing what he was doing, I always wanted to see him have a go at the NFL. I think the way he was built was he could have just been so good. As a, t- and, as a tight end, you think? Yeah, that's exactly. I always, I always pictured him as a tight end. Um, but man, what a player. I mean, this guy, he was shooting over 50%. He was dominant defensively. And, 
you know, good luck to anyone who has to come up come up against him because he was a special, special player. Yeah. I guess we should probably just uh, kind of quit beating around the inevitable and just get make our final pitches, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So how, how about this? I'll I'll tie – why don't I just go first? I'll, I'll just get my execution over with so we can just uh, – just let, let you do your thing. Um, and I, I won't, I won't time myself either. So I can sound especially dopey when I run over the time. <laughs> sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll keep time for you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear your O three pitch in three, two, one. All right, guys. So my job as the host of this show is to try to convince you to vote for the 2003 team, a team that even by my own admission, in no conceivable reality is winning a matchup against the 2009 team. So I guess what I my pitch to you is, you know what, I don't really have one. So I'll, I'll use this time instead to just talk about how great Ben Gordon and Mecca Okafor are. Those guys were amazing. Listen, they were, you know, Ben Gordon. Um, you know what, Tim, I'm, you know, let's just I can't do this. <laughs> I can't fucking do this. I can't argue for the two. I can't argue against 2009. I, I, that was, I, I can't. I can't rise to the, that level of fraudulence. Uh, I'm sorry, that 2000. Was I'm sorry, 2003. I tried. I just can't do it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Oh my goodness. That was amazing. Oh Jesus. All right. Well, you know what? Let's just let's just put a bow on it. I'm Tim, I'm gonna give you a minute to just tell us all about how great two thousand nine was and then we can all move on with our lives. All right, you ready for yeah. <laughs> let's all, right. Do it. all right, two thousand nine in three, two, one, go. Alright, well, it's safe to say 2009's winning this matchup against 2003. We don't need to go into the nitty-gritty. So let's just talk about how dominant this team was with everyone, including Jerome Dyson. They lost one game, one game with the full team out of 24. And I'm including the game where Dyson got hurt five minutes in. And that, that one loss was the Big East opening game against the 11th-ranked team in the country. Look, that's a UConn tradition, losing the conference opener. That was expected. So we're talking about a team that for the 24 games where they had a full roster was essentially unbeatable. And even after that, it took a lot to beat them. Even when they were only playing seven, eight guys, trying to beat this 2009 team, basically impossible for a team like 03. A team that lost by 25 almost to BC and Virginia Tech. Yep, no, 2009. You know what? All you really had to do was just say that last part, and I don't think I would have had any response. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> uh, why don't we why don't we why don't we gracefully skip the rebuttals? And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say to all the listeners, I really appreciate you guys. You know, you guys, what you guys did last week was so fun. You know, the 2006 versus 1994 was a lot of fun, and let, let's have some fun with this one too. I, I look, I don't. Yeah. If, if you guys want to go out and vote for 2003. And just totally flip this whole game on its head. By all means, we we embrace chaos on Yes Yukon. And you know what? Look, all I'm saying is, uh, you know, please vote and just have a good time. Let's let's talk some smack in the in the, on Twitter and just you know keep this uh, keep this ride going. And uh, you know what, Tim? I'll just say that if I end up arguing in favor of the 16 team against 2004, I'll try to do a little bit of a better job. In fact, I actually do think I can conceivably make that argument. 
I don't think I would win, but I may have to just kind of go with a little bit more of the my 2021 argument against 99, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> An argument that I think grading against the curve was very successful. I mean, I kept 99 yeah. between below 90 percent. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm very impressed by that. If if the Man, if you don't is... if you don't win this like by over 95 percent, then shame on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be really upset with myself if that's the case. <laughs> if you if 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 the nine if the O nine team does not finish with ninety five percent of the vote, you need to like change either your profile picture or your cover photo to that picture you posted of your reaction to uh you know the your your your, your soccer team <laughs> making the Champions League the other day. Oh my god! You're a brave uh, you're a brave man for putting that on the internet, dude. That's uh that... I, I I almost didn't, but you know what? Like it was such an honest reaction like that was literally what happened like that was as they were celebrating the goal and i just you know it like it showed what the last seven years have been like rooting for ac milan they've been pure hell and so that was just like such a relieving moment and i just again i wasn't gonna do it but at the in the end i was like you know what i don't care what people say about me for this and i just like want to show like this is this is what moments like that can do uh for like can do to someone and i just thought it was such a special moment that i was very happy to share it but you know if if the if the win for 09 isn't as significant as it should be i'll try to find a picture of them from a uh, picture of someone from the lost in michigan state in 09 and i'll uh photoshop my face onto that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh my god, that's legitimately hilarious, guy. Okay, you caught on Twitter. You 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 heard the man. We we have our own crying Jordan meme. Turn Tim into crying Tim. <laughs> Tim, you just you you just. Oh my god, I can't believe you just suggested that. That's the greatest it's thing. It's important for me to enhance my Photoshop skills. Dude, that's fantastic. I'm so I'm so happy right now. <laughs> All right, UConn Twitter, you guys do your thing. You know the drill. Uh, So after you're done making awesome photoshops of crying Tim, uh, vote in our competition. Uh, I guess, you know, make vote for vote your heart, I guess. You know, 2009 should win in a route. But if they don't, who knows? It'll be every bracket needs a Cinderella. They they sure do. I think right now our biggest Cinderella is technically by the seeds. Still only 1995, who I think by everybody would agree is no Cinderella. So um, you know, we'll have this poll posted sometime tomorrow morning. Voting will be open until Friday, as always. Uh, you know, hope hope uh, for a big uh, response again. And um, next week's episode, I suspect, will be one of the highlights too. So, Tim, get ready for this. We are going to be debating between Ray Allen's 1996 Big East Championship team versus the 1990 Dream Season team in what I I expect will be an absolute banger of a matchup again. That's going to be incredible. I I'm call, really excited for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I call dibs on the dream season, by the way. That's fine. Go for it. I love that team. I, I love I, – I so one of the, the things about this podcast I've loved the most is getting to rewatch some of those old teams from before my time. I freaking love the dream season team. They're so much fun. And, uh, yeah, so if – I'll I'll bring my A game next week. I promise you. I know yeah, we'll need yeah. it ninety because ninety six was a, was a wagon too. Those two teams, yeah. those, those two teams ruled. Uh, and oh uh, if two thousand and nine and like if uh, two thousand UConn Twitter and nineteen ninety UConn Twitter are like the fault line, I'd be interested in seeing what happens when we have two really awesome and really fun nineties teams go up against each other. Because then um, I don't know. Who knows? We'll 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 see kind of where the battle lines get drawn. So, uh, Tim, thanks again as always, and. Uh, 
All you guys out there, you know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open, and you can email me at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and or, you know, download download us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, it's all there. You know it. So, um, Tim, thank you again. And all you guys, you be good. We'll talk to you all later.